I want to begin by thanking all of you online who uh, are with us every week and who have been sending me messages of encouragement about this study we're in on the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to all of you that there is going to be, in any study like this, some level of frustration that I may not deal with your personal topic of interest because the subject is simply too large. Now, I've mentioned we will probably do more teaching on the Holy Spirit in future series, but here's the reality. It doesn't matter if I taught on the Holy Spirit every weekend for the rest of my ministry. We would not exhaust the subject because we are talking about God. Can you ever say we have finally understood everything there is to know about God? I remember when our son Micah was about three, uh, my wife Jamie was putting him in bed and He had a question about God, particularly about where God was. And Jamie tried to explain that God is everywhere in language that a three-year-old could understand. And so he is a little confused. Is God with us? Yes, God is with us right now. But God is with Mima and Bapa in San Antonio? Yes, God is with them right now. And Michael thought and said, you mean he's kind of smeared? And she told me that later. I said, good job, honey. You have taught our son to believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Smear. (laughs) My point is, anything you do to teach about God is going to be inadequate and really, at some level, childish. Because we are children trying to fathom the infinite. So, let's just understand that at the very beginning. It's one reason why I'm preparing study questions every week for these lessons because I want you and your small group or with your family to go a little deeper and to think a little more about the things that we are learning. Now, I read a lot of books about the Holy Spirit this last year. And here's one thing that intrigued me. Many of them never even dealt with John 14 through 16. Which seems to me to be the place you have to start. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am. I think Jesus is the expert on anything that's important to know about. And that the foundation of any theology should be, what did Jesus say? So I am persuaded the most important things to know about the Holy Spirit, we're going to learn because we're going to look at what Jesus taught us. And Jesus conviction is that the Holy Spirit is the best gift ever. And one reason Jesus had this conviction was because he delighted in the Holy Spirit's gift of conviction. So look with me, John 16. We'll start in verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And I want to spend my time with you unpacking this word prove. Your translation might say he will convince or he will expose or he will convict. The word means to bring into the light, to cause to see something that has been in the darkness. 
Now, all of us who follow Jesus have experienced the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible calls him our comforter, but sometimes he is our discomforter, isn't he? Because when we began to go into places and get into realms of things that we should not be, when things start to come into the house that do not belong, the Holy Spirit is going to let us know. And he is going to discomfort us. And we've all had that experience. And it is a good thing when the Holy Spirit exposes an area of our life where darkness is starting to reign. You say, well, that makes me feel bad. It ought to make you feel bad. It is good to feel bad about sin. And it is especially good that you are still in enough fellowship with the Holy Spirit that you can hear His voice and be convicted. So all of us who follow Christ understand the Holy Spirit's wonderful ministry of conviction. But in this verse, Jesus is not talking about his ministry to us. He said, he will prove the world. And to my knowledge, it's the only time in the New Testament we have enlightenment on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to unbelievers. Because Jesus says the Holy Spirit has something to prove to the world. Because people far from God are not just in darkness. They can't see that they are in darkness. And the reason the Bible says is because Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they're not just dark. They don't even see that they're dark. They have got comfortable with darkness. In fact, earlier Jesus said in John 3, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil and everyone who does evil hates the light. And he will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. There's the word Jesus used. People don't like to be convicted. People don't like To have their sin brought into the light. And this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because think about it. How does somebody who is blind. Ever come to see the truth. Now you might try Lucy's approach. You remember the Charlie Brown character. Who said to her brother Linus one day. I would have been a good evangelist. And Linus says, why do you say that? She said, well, you know that kid that sits behind me in class? I convinced him today that my religion is better than his religion. And Linus said, how did you do that? And Lucy said, I hit him with my lunchbox. (laughs) And sadly, when you study the history of man, most religious war takes that approach. We'll use violence and power and force to bring people to our understanding of faith. This is not the way of the Holy Spirit. Because violence can't cure blindness. So instead, Jesus says, look at verse 8 from the message. When he comes, he'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, 
and judgment. Because blindness can only be overcome by a work of God. Think about Peter. He's preaching the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has descended. They are filled with the Spirit. People are asking what is going on. Now this untrained, unschooled fisherman starts to preach. And three thousand people get cut to the heart. They get convicted and they get baptized. Why? Because of his eloquence or because of the mighty convicting presence of the Holy Spirit? They may not have understood much about the Holy Spirit, but they knew that they needed Jesus. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. They came under conviction, and I have been praying all week that this weekend people are going to hear me preach and come under that same conviction. And I am persuaded that right now some people are listening to me whom the Holy Spirit is calling to see your need for Jesus. And it begins with a new definition of sin. Jesus says he will prove the world wrong about sin. Verse 9. Because people do not believe in me. So the first thing the Holy Spirit is going to shed light on is the truth that sin is unbelief. You're not going to come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior until you get convicted about this thing called sin. And notice Jesus didn't say he will prove them wrong about sins, plural. He said he will convict them about sin because they do not believe in me. Because there's one sin at the root of all sin and it is a rejection of Jesus, his identity and his lordship. People are not lost because they're sinners. Now, it is true. You can read lists of sins in the Scripture. In the book of Revelation, there's a long list of kinds of sinning for which people will be lost. But you look at that list and everything on there, people who go to heaven did too. Because ultimately, you're not lost because you're a sinner. You're lost because you rejected your Savior. Now, Jesus said this, John chapter 8. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am He, you will indeed die in your sins. And people are in darkness about this. They don't understand the great sin is to reject Jesus. And so they become fluent. In the language of self-justification. Well, I ought to go to heaven. I'm not that bad. I don't sin that much. I don't sin as much as you. And the sin I do sin isn't as bad as yours. Some of you recognize the name of Michael Bloomberg. Former mayor of New York City. He went not long ago to his 50th college reunion. And reflected on the fact that a lot of people he was in school with had passed away. And it caused him to think about his own mortality. So someone asked him about judgment. Day, 
And he reflected on the fact that he had done a lot of good in his life. He had done some things to enforce stricter gun laws in the city to uh, help cut down on smoking. And here's what he said. I'm telling you, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. There's a man who is blinded to his own need. Because he can't see his great sin as he lives in darkness. I would want to say to Michael Bloomberg, if you're okay and I'm okay, then why did Jesus die? Here's the truth. You're not barely broken in need of a life coach. You are fatally flawed and in need of a Savior. And this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to help the world to see. And one reason Satan wants to keep the church ignorant of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is so that we will not partner with him and the world stays ignorant of the ministry of Jesus Christ. We need help to shed light on who Jesus is and why people need him. And we have it from the Spirit. Look at verse 9 from the message. He'll show them their refusal to believe in me is their basic sin. And I'll say it again. Somebody's listening to me right now, and this is where the Holy Spirit is starting with you. Your rejection of Jesus is the sin that will cost you your eternity with, you, with God. And the Holy Spirit is trying to shed light on your true situation. The darkness of self-righteousness can only be illuminated by a work of God. And when it is, we will begin to see true righteousness and we'll see that it's with Jesus. Jesus said he will prove the world wrong about sin and about righteousness. Because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. So not only does the Holy Spirit show us that unbelief is sin, but the Holy Spirit shows us that only Jesus is righteous. Because the Holy Spirit is going to be a constant opponent of shadow righteousness. And the only way we're able to maintain this pretense is by comparing ourselves to one another. And so I feel like I'm fairly righteous because I know something about how my neighbors down the street live. I know about what the guys in college did. I know what some of my coworkers are like. And compared to all them, I'm a pretty good person, right? And then the Holy Spirit comes and shines the light on Jesus. And a whole new standard of righteousness gets illuminated. That's what Jesus means when he says, I'm going to the Father. In other words, my resurrection, my ascension, I'm going to be lifted up. People are going to understand that there's a new standard for righteousness. Again, look at how it reads from the message. He'll show them that righteousness comes from above where I am with the Father. A lot of you may not know something about my wife. She was an outstanding high school debater. Trust me, if you've lived with her over 30 years, you would know this. 
The first time I went to meet her family, she had never told me this. I walked into her bedroom where I stayed, and she stayed in another room. And and there on her shelves were over 50 trophies that she won from speech tournaments. She and her speech team went to the Nationals her senior year. So she goes off to college as a freshman. She's in the same speech class with my brother, who was also a freshman. So I asked my brother that first semester, well, how do you like speech class? Terrible. There's some speech star in there, and every time she speaks, she blows the curve for everybody. (laughs) He did not know he was speaking of his future (laughs) sister-in-law. Here's the thing. Shadow righteousness thinks there's going to be a curve, and based on everybody else's grade, I'm not doing bad. And the Holy Spirit shines the light on Jesus. And you start to realize, I don't need a little help with my grades. I need Jesus' report card. And the wonderful thing is, Jesus isn't just the standard for righteousness. He is the source of righteousness. And when we believe in Jesus... And what he did for us at the cross, and we unite with that death and that resurrection. He transfers his righteousness to us. We get credited with his righteousness. And this is something every single person needs to see. Satan wants you to stay in the dark about this. Because he wants... His fate to be yours. Jesus said, verse 11, He's going to prove the world wrong about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. Because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So there's one more thing the Holy Spirit is going to shed light on. Sin's unbelief, only Jesus is righteous, and judgment is certain. The Holy Spirit exposes the devil as a deposed despot who has been stripped of his authority. And Satan wants to keep you in the dark about the fact that he is the captain of a team that has already lost. And his judgment... And this is just so divinely delicious. His judgment came on the very day that men in their darkness thought they were judging Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 12, now was the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people. To myself. The cross. Where Jesus took our condemnation. Was also and actually the place. Where Satan was being condemned. And now the Holy Spirit. Is wooing all men and women. To come to the cross. 
to believe in Jesus, to plead for His righteousness, to no longer serve a deposed despot. And this is serious business. Let me tell you about this time in the Gospels where the Holy Spirit is powerfully shedding light on who Jesus is. Jesus is casting demons out of people. The Holy Spirit is always putting the spotlight on Jesus through the Scripture, through the witness of the church, through signs and through wonders. He's he's effectively saying, look to Jesus. And some people were saying the only way he can do that is the devil. And Jesus, who put up with a lot of criticism, stopped the show and said, you don't want to cross that line. Every sin you can commit can be forgiven. But the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just be clear. There is no sin you can't repent of and be forgiven. Even Paul said, I was a blasphemer. And he became a missionary. What's Jesus saying? The Holy Spirit is wooing and calling and witnessing to the identity and the deity and the sufficiency of Jesus. And when you and your hard heart reject that testimony and spurn it and turn your back on what the Holy Spirit is saying about Jesus, you have rejected the only provision God has made. For you to be saved. Jesus said don't you go there. Don't you turn your back. On the work of the Holy Spirit. This is why the Holy Spirit won't leave you alone. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And God loves the world. In fact, earlier Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name. Of God's one and only Son. You know what I hope will happen today? I hope as you hear this teaching, you will leave more aware and more grateful than you've ever been for a ministry of the Holy Spirit we hardly ever talk about. The gift of conviction. And I hope it will convict you to take advantage of the light while it shines. Because once you become convinced of this gift, two things are going to start happening in your life. Here's number one. You're going to start speaking to the lost about God. A lot of the material I read about the Holy Spirit focused only on what the Holy Spirit will do for me. What did Jesus say? I will send him to you. Very next phrase. He will convict the world. Listen. God is sending the Holy Spirit to you. 
so that he can bless the world through you. Jesus has given us a mission. We're to take this news of salvation to the whole world. We need help. And we need to step out in faith that Jesus kept his promise and sent us help. He has sent us the Holy Spirit. So, when you have a chance with your coworker, your neighbor, your family member to say a word about Jesus and you don't, it's not because ultimately you lack confidence in your adequacy. It's because we lack confidence in the adequacy of the Holy Spirit. You're not anybody's Holy Spirit. You're not supposed to be. It's not your job to convict. It's your job to be a channel that opens up the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do what He does. A lot of you have heard of the name R.C. Sproul. He's one of the great theologians of our generation and author of a lot of books. Didn't grow up as a believer. Went to college on a football scholarship. First week of practices after his freshman year. He goes into the dorm. He and his buddy are going to go out and hit the bars, but he needs to get his cigarettes. And he sees the captain of the football team sitting at a table and invites him and his roommate to come over and visit. And they sit down, he says, for two hours, he just started talking about the wonder of the Word of God. It wasn't even really a gospel presentation. It was just the wisdom that's in the Bible. And he quoted Ecclesiastes 11, verse 3. Whether a tree falls to the north or to the south, wherever it falls, there it will lie. And R.C. Sproul says, I've got to be the only person in church history that was brought to faith by that verse. (laughs) Because he said that and something deep in me started to say, R.C., that's you. You're just a rotten tree and your life is going nowhere. And he went up to his dorm room and he got down on his knees. And he surrendered his heart to God. When we partner with the Holy Spirit, we become the light of the world. And by the way, can I tell you one simple way you can do this? Would you just start inviting people to come to church? Now, let me be very clear about this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16 that the church assembled... We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In some way, the Spirit's presence is manifest when we all get together. So over in 1 Corinthians 14, you remember Paul says, when the unbeliever comes into your midst, he's going to fall down and say, God is in this place. But the verse before that says, the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. Same word. That somehow when an unbeliever gathers with the church and we're lifting up Jesus and we're praising his name and we're in his word. The Holy Spirit starts to do something in the heart of the unbeliever and light starts to penetrate. And he starts to see who he really is and why he needs his Lord. I'm not being trite here. I'm being as honest as I can be. Something powerful happens when you just bring somebody that needs Jesus to church. We have got to start believing in the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit. He is the only one who can open hearts. And when we believe that, we will start to open our mouths. We will speak to the lost about God. 
And we will speak to God about the lost. Once we begin to understand that this is spiritual warfare. That we are trying to penetrate blindness created by an enemy. We will start to pray with passion for people we love that need Jesus. I don't want this to sound ugly. You know I believe in praying for the sick. I believe God still heals. But I do wonder why we tend to pray much more to keep saved people out of heaven than we do to keep lost people out of hell. And you've got a friend. You've got a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister or a mother or a father. A co-worker. That needs Jesus. And I'm asking you to pray for them. George Mueller, a lot of you have heard that name. As a young man had five friends. That he told the Lord, I vow I will pray for by name every day until they find faith in Christ. The first friend came to faith after five years. Two of them came to faith after ten years. The fourth friend after 35 years. And the fifth came to faith 52 years later. Just weeks after George Mueller died. And you know what? You didn't come to faith in Christ because you're so brilliant. You did not overcome the blindness and the darkness of Satan because you're so smart. Somebody prayed for you. And the Holy Spirit gave you illumination. And it just seems to me only right that we do for somebody else. What somebody did for us. So we're going to do that right now. Go ahead and remain seated. But if you're on one of our prayer response teams, would you go ahead and stand up and take your places? And I'm just going to ask you right now, would you, would you just start to pray for one person right now that you know needs Jesus? Maybe it's the person that you put on that card last year. They're your one and a year later, they haven't come to faith. But, but God will put someone on your heart. Would you, would you pray for them right now? Oh God, we give you thanks. That we were able to come to saving faith in Christ. Somebody prayed for us. Someone opened their mouth and the Holy Spirit opened our eyes. We thank you for our salvation. And now, Father, we beg for this same miracle to happen for the others. We ask for the glory of Jesus to be revealed. For light to shine out of darkness. And we pray in the weeks ahead we will see many come to Christ 
because of a powerful gift of conviction and the work of the Holy Spirit. And for Jesus' sake we ask this. Amen.